Good morning, folks. Today is the 30th day of June, 2023. I'm your host and narrator, Mitchell Dawkins, with today's message. Uh, today, I'm going to talk about suffering. Glory to God. And, um, you know, there, there are many different forms of suffering, and some people uh, may look at other people's suffering as if it's not such an issue. Uh, I've been going through a few things, and... Um, a man with, with, with unemployment and uh, getting uh, delayed, uh, my starting date delayed, pushed back uh, on a new job, and uh, having uh, my uh, delivery account uh, doing the uh, delivery, the food delivery thing that's been deactivated and haven't gotten any response from that. So, you know, uh, it's been a little, it's been a little rough. Glory to God financially. Amen. But to God be the glory. You understand? Because I still have uh, my faith and my, my trust in him uh, because he's made me promises and assurances. And so he um, never said that I wouldn't have to suffer. I wouldn't have to go through some things. Amen. And, uh, you know, that might not be a big issue to, to anyone else. But, you know, uh, amen, when you, when you have basically one stream of income, uh, that can be uh, very challenging, and bills are still mounting, you see. But nevertheless, uh, I'm going to talk about today um, suffering, amen, or growing solid through suffering. And I'm going to refer to uh, the King James Version of 1 Peter 5, uh, verses 16 through uh, 14. And this is based on an article I read from Stephen J. Cole, who, who was a graduate, uh, graduate from... Uh, Dallas uh, Theological Seminary, and so I was reading over some things that he wrote, Amen. In regards to this, and so let me just let me just begin uh, reading uh, from the from the Bible. <clears throat> Again, First Peter uh, chapter five, verses six through fourteen. It says, "Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you." Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in faith, knowing that the same suffering are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Here's the beautiful verse right here. Verse 10, it says, But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect establishment strengthen and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Uh, verse uh, 12. By Silvanus, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. Hallelujah. Glory to God. She who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greets you, greets you, I'm sorry, and so does Mark, my son. Greet everyone with a kiss of love. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. That's beautiful. 
I like that. I really like I really like verse 10. Let me read verse 10 one more time. It says, But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, established, and strengthened, and settled you. Glory to God. You know, one of the most crucial lessons to learn as a Christian is how to handle suffering. I haven't always done it, man. I haven't always done it well. You know what I mean? And some of the suffering um, that I've experienced is, is a result of my decisions and, and, and uh, is a result of my decisions I made during the suffering. Amen. Which um, kind of uh, uh, made the suffering worse. You see? In this fallen world, suffering is, is certainty. It may be the physical suffering that goes with uh, <clears throat> with living in, in these frail bodies uh, that get sick and die. It may be the grief of watching a loved one suffer and die. Yeah. It may be problems stemming from your own sin and from other sins against you. It may be the common pressures of life of providing and living and wondering how you're going to pay all the bills. It may be the emotional suffering of struggling with feelings of inadequacy, loneliness, anger, worry, or fear. But whatever it comes from, suffering is inevitable, you see? And it, and it will make you grow bitter or it's going to make you grow better depending on how you handle it. Huh? And so it is significant that in Jesus' parable of the sower, two of the three soils that fail to produce a crop represents people who do not know how to handle suffering. The rocky soil, Jesus explained, pictures those who receive the word joyfully at first, but do not sink down roots. You see what I'm saying? So that when the affliction or, or, or persecution comes, they fall away. The thorny ground reflects those who seem to grow for a while, but then allow, among other things, the worries of the world to choke out the word so that it does not bear fruit unto eternal life. Hmm? So if you didn't, if, if, if you don't know how to handle affliction, worries, and other kinds of suffering, you would not preserve as a Christian. I mean, you would not persevere, should I say, as a Christian. <clears throat> On the other hand, if you do learn how to handle suffering, you will grow solid through it. Glory to God. I'm still learning. Believe me, I'm still learning. Hmm? And so Peter here gives us four strategies for growing solid through suffering. And um, it's, in, it's in five and six. You see? Uh, to grow solid through suffering, humble yourself before God. Resist the devil, trust the Lord, and stand firm in God's grace with the saints. Huh? And so, therefore, connects Verses 5 
with verses 6 and 7. You see that? Because God sets himself in battle against those who lift themselves up, but gives unmerited favor to those who view themselves as lowly. Therefore, lower yourself under God's sovereign dealings with you. That he might lift you up in due time. You lower yourself by throwing uh, all your anxieties on him. Knowing that he cares for you. Glory to God. Oh boy. Oh boy. So the Greek word translated anxieties comes from the word meaning amen to divide. Glory to God. Anxieties. Anxieties divide our minds so that we cannot concentrate on anything else. Someone has defined the word, uh, uh, defined worry as a, as, a, as a small trickle of fear that, that menders through the mind until it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. Ain't that something? Thus worry and anxieties distract us from the productive things God wants us to do and consume us by diverting all of our thoughts into these channels of fear. Hmm? And so, while there's a need for humbling yourselves in a time of trial, because at the heart of anxiety, uh, uh, or, or should I ask the question, why is there a need to humble yourself in a time of trial? Because at the heart of the anxiety is the proud notion that I can handle things by myself. Glory to God. I'm talking to somebody. And the first person I'm talking to is myself. We all have sinful tendencies to lift our, ourselves up and to pull the Lord down. Even we who have trusted in Christ as Savior, who talk about trusting him for everything, when it comes right down to it, really trusting ourselves, trusting in ourselves and in our own ability to work our way through life's difficulties. You see, we, we all, we'll, we'll call on God for a little boast now and then, or a little boost now and then. Huh? Not boast, but a little boost. And, and, and then to get through something, uh, uh, that's what we do to get through something. You understand what I'm saying? But we don't know what it means to cast ourselves totally upon the Lord until he yanks the rug out from under us through some trial that is bigger than us. Hmm? Even then we tend to scramble to regain control without submitting to God's mighty hand over us. Glory to God. Whew. I hope I can get through this. Glory to God. At the root of, uh, 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 of this self-reliance is pride. Huh? Suppose you're on, you, you were on a ship which can change, which can, which encountered a fierce storm at sea. You understand? You don't know anything about handling the ship in such rough waters. But the captain is a seasoned veteran who has brought his ship safely through many such storms. Wouldn't it be the height of your arrogance for you to go up on the bridge and tell him how to run the ship? Or even worse, to take the helm from him? Huh? 
if you were anxious in the storm, your fears, amen, would, 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 would subside. You, 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 you stop to think about the captain's competency. If you had a chance to talk with, uh, if you had a chance to talk to him and, 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 and assure you that he had been through, pardon me, many, many such storms, you could relax and trust that he would get you through this one. You, you, you still might be in for a rough time, a rough ride. You understand what I'm talking about? But you can go through, you can go through it without anxiety because you humble yourself by not taking control and exalted the captain by trusting him. Huh? Glory to God. So, so we're prone to doubt two things in a, in a time of intense trial. You understand? God's sovereign control over circumstances. Sometimes we ask ourselves, where is God in all of this? And we doubt his concern for us. If God is in control and cares, then why is this happening to me? This is the kind of things that we, we say to ourselves. Huh? Peter says that we must bow down and acknowledge God's mighty hand. We must acknowledge his sovereignty and his power. Glory to God. You know, he wasn't asleep at the helm when this trial hit me. And we must bow down and affirm his loving care. He cares for me personally, glory to God. And despite how it may seem in the middle of my crisis, there's no doubt Peter was recalling Jesus' teaching that if God, if, if God cares for birds and for the little ones, or, or, or for the lilies of the field, that's what he said, then obviously he cares for us. Huh? Glory to God. And so, having acknowledged these two things, God's control and his care, when we cast all our anxieties on him through thankful prayer, be anxious for nothing, but in everything be prayer, be by prayer and, and, and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God. Hallelujah. Huh? Let it be known to God. And so he says, to grow, to grow, to grow through suffering, he says, resist the devil. He said that in verses um eight and nine. Glory to God. And so no sooner has Peter uh, uh, got us to relax by casting our cares on the Lord, then he yells, wake up, be alert. There's a lion on the prowl, glory to God. And he'll eat you for lunch if you aren't careful. Huh? See, 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 God doesn't make his children carefree in order that he may make them careless. Glory to God. That was a, that was a quote by a guy named um, George Morrison. Yeah. 
he 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 wrote something on uh, James through Revelation. You see, and so anyway, the fact is, in a time of trial, you are especially vulnerable to the enemy of our souls. You must be sober and alert so that you can resist his attacks. You see, when it comes with uh, to dealing with the devil, Christians often go to one of the extremes. Either they see the devil behind the brush or they ignore him altogether. Huh? And so the former are more prevalent in the Christian circles. It's more prevalent now than the latter. These folks see the devil everywhere. They go around casting out demons of every every common cold, the demons of, of car trouble, the demons behind emotional problems, etc., etc. They they often they often blame the devil for their problems that stem from their own sin and mistakes. There are many popular books that teach elaborate methods to overcome demonic forces, both personally and 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 and, 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 and as a church. But the Bible just tells us to resist it. Glory to God. The Bible tells us just to resist the devil. You see? On one hand, Satan is a powerful unseen foe. So powerful that Michael, the, the, the arch angel, arch angel uh, as it is, uh, did not dare to pronounce against against him you see rallying judgment but he said the Lord rebuke you Glory to he said that in June 9 the Lord rebuke you we dare not get arrogant and start barking orders at Satan like some tin horn general you understand or he'll make quick work of us Now, probably none of us has ever encountered Satan himself, although he has legions of demons to do his will. But on the other hand, Satan is neither omnipotent or omnipresent. Huh? And he is a defeated foe. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The cross of Jesus spelled his doom and his resurrection is sealed. And the resurrection sealed it. Should I say that? The cross of Jesus spelled his doom and the resurrection sealed it. So we can resist him firm in our faith and know that he will flee from us. Huh? And so Peter describes him as a as, as as your adversary, the devil. Adversary means an opponent in a lawsuit. Huh? Devil means slanderer. One who throws things against you. He described, he is described as as as, as the accuser of the brethren in Revelation uh, 12:10. His strategy is often to hit you. Uh, when you're under some some intense trial by uh, 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 suggesting either God isn't strong enough to deliver you or obviously he doesn't care. Hmm? 
If this is how he treats his people, then why are you following him? This is what he wants you to believe. Glory to God. Or, 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 or you fall into some sin that, 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 that uh, he will accuse your conscience. Even after you confess your sin by saying, some, some Christians, that's what people say. Some Christians, all right, well, what kind, you know, what kind of Christian are you? Some Christians you are. What makes you think you can be forgiven for that one? Hmm? This is what this, you know, this is the kind of thing that happens in the mind. And this is the kind of things that, that, that people will come at you with. You know, as suggested by Peter's a reminder in, 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 in verse 9. The devil will get you to think that you're the only one in this world going through the kind of suffering you're experiencing. Your trial is unique. Hmm? Surely no one else understands. Ah. They have slain your prophets and I alone am left. But Peter says, no, you're not alone, glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank God I'm not alone. Your Christian brothers throughout the world are going through similar trials. That shouldn't make me feel any better. But, but remember that verse 6 comes before verse 9. It says, we must bow down before God before we stand against the devil. Glory to God. We must bow down before God before we stand against the devil. So resisting the devil is a defensive posture. Glory to God. I don't advise stalking him like a lion, like a lion hunter, but, but if he roars against us, we stand firm in the full armor of God and he will flee. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Man, I'm trying to hold it together. Also, we need to understand that we are to flee certain sins, but resist the devil. If you if you if you if you're tempted with sexual immorality, don't stand around rebuking Satan. Get out of there. That's what First Corinthians tells us, six eighteen. Haven't done that too good. Many of God, many many of God peoples are, are vulnerable to Satan's attacks because they're not alert to spiritual danger. Hmm? We are, man. If a real lion were on the prowl and, and, and had just been stopped or had just been spotted outside, would you go for a casual stroll <laughs> admiring the flowers? You know what I'm saying? Would you let your children play out there? And yet so many Christians watch filth on TV uh, or, or in the movies and let their kids watch it and wonder why they're not they, 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 wonder why they aren't more interested in spiritual things huh you see what's going on out here you see that particular group organization that keep talking about we're coming for your children you better protect these children you better protect these children or, or, or 
or they, they're going through trials. But they forget, you know, we, we, we forget that we're especially vulnerable. People, people tolerate our, our grumbling and our complaining, not realizing that, that, that they are playing right into Satan's attacks to devour their faith and to discredit the goodness of God. You know, as God's children, we need to be careful to speak well even when he's taking us through trials. You understand? To grow solid through suffering, humble yourself before God and be alert so that you can resist the devil. Huh? You know, trust is implicit. In verses, uh, what we got? Uh, verses six and seven, it, it, it stated explicitly in verse 9, be firm in your faith. And it's strongly implicit in verses 10 and 11. Peter is saying, God hasn't forgotten you in your trial. Glory to God. He is the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ in the first place. Thus you can trust him to use the trial for his purpose in your life because he is sovereign. He is the sovereign Lord who has all dominion forever and ever. Huh? You know, but trusting God has fallen on hard times in the Christian circles. It is viewed as about the most impractical thing you can do. Huh? Now listen to those people. If you came to me with a big problem in your life and asked, what should I do? And I said, I think you should trust God. You'll probably, be, you'll probably go away thinking, uh, uh, what worthless counsel. I know. I've, I've told some people that. In, in my profession as a, as a psychiatric rehabilitation counselor, I told, I, I told some people that. But yet from cover to cover, the Bible <coughs> the Bible extols the practical benefits of putting our trust in the living God as a way to deal with our problems. Huh? You ask, how can I trust God? It seems so hard to do when I'm in the middle of a crisis. You understand? But there are at least four ways to nurture your faith. Suggested in these two short verses in nine and 10. You gotta, you gotta check it out. Put the trial in perspective. It only lasts for a little while. You say? <laughs> for a little while. I've been through this suffering for years, but even a whole lifetime is a little while in the light of eternity. Glory to God. You hear that? Even a whole lifetime is a little while 
in the light of eternity. Glory to God. Paul, you know, Paul had this perspective when he wrote 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 18. The momentary light, I mean, for momentary, uh, for momentary light affliction is producing for us eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, glory to God, but at the things which are not seen, glory to God. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal, glory to God. Put God in perspective. He is the God of all grace. He's not the God of a little bit of gay, a little bit of grace. He's not the God. He is the God of a lot of grace. He is the God of all grace. Glory to God. His 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 grace is like the ocean, a limitless supply that keeps breaking over our lives time and time again. It will never run out. But remember that God holds his grace. He withholds his grace from the proud, but gives it to the humble. Hmm? You see that in verse 5. I think. Yeah. Those who lower themselves by admitting their total need. That's what he do. Help me tell you about my total need. Glory to God. My total need, not for the things of this world, but my total need for you. Glory to God. My total need for you. So in your time of trial, come as a needy soul and ask, and he will give you abundant grace to meet your need. Also, to put God in perspective, remember that he is the God of dominion and strength, both now and forever. Glory to God. Huh? Both now and forever. That's verse 11 right there. He is mighty to save his people from every trial, if it be his will. Even more, he is mighty to save us from eternal destruction. Glory to God. Nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing can separate us from his care. In your trial, rehearse in your mind God's mighty strength as seen over and over and over in the Bible. Putting God's calling and purpose for you in, in, in perspective. He called you to his eternal glory in Christ. You didn't come to him by your own strength and your own effort. He called you. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. He didn't call to condemn you, but to bring you to his eternal glory in Christ. 
you will dwell in his presence throughout eternity. Glory to God. So in your trial, amen, in our trials, should I say, we need to look ahead to what God has promised for those who has his who, who he has called. And you can trust him to bring you through it. Glory to God. He himself will perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Trials are to burn away the dross and refine the gold. Huh? Now, now perfect means equipped, repair, or render complete. See, people like to say, well, I ain't perfect. You know, ain't nobody perfect. But if God called you perfect, that's what you are. But remember that perfect means equipped. It means repair. It means to render complete. It was Paul's, it, 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 it was used of Peter, mending the fishing nets in Matthew 4 or 21. That's what it was. God will put you back together after the trial. So that you will be useful to him. And the word confirms means to fix, to set fast or strengthen. Uh, 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 Jesus told Peter that after he was restored from his denial of Jesus, he was strengthened. The same word. He was strengthened his brothers. That's one of the lessons I did at the Salvation Army. Strengthen your brother. The next word, strengthen, occurs only here in the Bible and rarely in extra-biblical Greek. I mean, extra, extra, yeah, extra-biblical Greek. We, 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 we don't know how it differs from the previous word, established, means to lay the foundation. Jesus used it to describe the house founded on the rock. That would uh, that would withstand the storm. He said that in Matthew seven twenty uh, five. Thus, the over, overall idea is that the sovereign God will use the trials to establish your to establish you in faith and to equip you to serve others in His cause, so you can trust Him in the process, huh? To grow solid through suffering, humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and trust the sovereign Lord. Trust the sovereign Lord. Glory to God. So, Father God, I just want to thank you today for bringing this scripture to my mind. Glory to God and allowing me um, to read the article uh, written by Jay. Uh, Stephen J. Cole, and to, to, to give me the, the ability to, to share this message uh, today, amen, because I know that there are those out there that are suffering, amen, but understand that uh, we've been made endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning, and so don't, don't, don't think because of the longevity of your suffering that it is eternal, amen, um, it is not eternal, glory to God, and uh, 
the Lord has made us promises and assurances. And, uh, you know, whatever your suffering looks like, amen, still bow down to the Lord and resist the devil. And he will set you free. Glory to God. You'll find peace in the Lord in the times of your suffering. This has been Mitchell Dawkins with today's message.